Hello everyone and welcome back to the Talking Football podcast. If you saw our last episode, or rather listened to our last episode, you'll have heard our Premier League 2020 Team of the Year. So now we're going to do an all-round one from European football. Some more ground rules. We are still only allowed one player per club, but we are allowing three clubs per league of per top European top five leagues. So I'm going to get started. PSG, of course, reached the final of the Champions League, so I've put their keeper, Kaylor Navas, in goal, purely because he made some outstanding saves in the latter stages, like quarter-finals, all the way through to the final itself. I can recall a few saves in each game that he made that were top draw to keep his side in the lead or in the game because they were losing to Leipzig, weren't they, until pretty late in the day. So I've gone with Navas in goal, and I've got a back... Four, two of which are probably expected, two of which aren't. My left back, I'm doing a 4 3 3, just like in the Premier League team of the, the year. I've gone with Sergio Brugilon as a Sevilla player. He helped them get, get fourth place in La Liga and then, of course, helped them win the, Euro, the Europa League for the sixth time in the club history. And since moving to Tottenham Hotspur as well, I think he's probably even found another gear to go into since leaving, leaving Real permanently. He's been a proper, proper left-back. He can defend well, additionally, to going forward at pace. And there's not too many left-backs in the world who can actually defend and also attack. I think the only other one in terms of defensive quality and being so young is probably Alfonso Davis at Bayern Munich. But, but I've just chosen Vagilon purely because of A, him, and also because I've got another Bayern Munich player later in my team who I don't think anyone can leave out. So I've got Sergio Reguilon as left-back. Sergio Ramos in at centre-half for Real, of course. Yes, they didn't do as well in Champions League as I would have liked, and they've stumbled a bit in the Champions League this season, scraped through the group stage. But... They won La Liga and he scored important goals last season and already this season from the penalty spot in the air, free kicks. I don't think there's another centre-half who would step forward in front of Benzema in world football for a spot kick. He's missed a couple of of Penencas, of course, in that time, but if you're centre-half and you're going to try a Penenka, you're pretty good, right? So, Ramos alongside Virgil van Dijk for me which of course means I can't have any of Liverpool's midfield free or front free, but I don't think that's a problem in this one. So, so Van Dijk for me, of course, he transformed Liverpool since coming in. And 2020 was just one of those seasons. They coasted the league. Again, probably could have done better in Champions League, but it's just one of those things. I think he's probably up there with Ramos and Marquinhos as the top centre-backs in world football for me at the moment. So I've got him in also in central defence. And then Akraf Akimi played the most of 2020, of course, as Pitbrushier Dortmund. And has now since gone to Inter Milan. He was quality in the Bundesliga and Champions League last season. And already is in Syria for Antonio Conte's team. Probably not an obvious choice, but having someone from Dortmund slash Inter Milan also saves me a spot going further in my team. So, 
the back four with the keeper. Navas in goal for PSG. Sergio Reguilón as a Sevilla player. Sergio Ramos for Real. Virgil van Dijk for Liverpool. And Hakimi for Dortmund and Inter. Very good. Um, I've also gone for 4-3-3 in here. Um, so one difference, I've, I've gone for a different goalkeeper. I've gone for Petr Zalaski uh, from uh, Red Bull Leipzig. Um, like, ever since going to Leipzig, he's just been a top-quality goalkeeper. Um, countless assists, um, clean sheets, sorry, um, in, in, in the league. Um, and yeah, um, helped Leipzig to a semi-final in the Champions League last season. Um, again, probably a crucial part of that because of the save. Um, but also helped them to, I think, a top three um, finish in Bundesliga last season. Again, numerous clean sheets throughout that season. Um, could argue it was probably just as crucial uh, or influential, sorry, um, as Timo Werner last season. So Leipzig. Um, so that meant um, not choosing Navas. I, I could have a PSG centre back. So I've gone for Marquinhos again as a different defender that you chose, uh, Jack. Um, so I think Marquinhos, he, he just really helped and elevated PSG season last season. Uh, it was crucial to them getting a, a final in the Champions League. Um, got them another league title as well. Um, and he, he's just turned into a really solid centre-back with, with pace um, and as well as his uh, tackling qualities as well. Um, so then he sits next to Sergio Ramos and you can talk about his, you've already talked about his um, league performances, but like also this year he's broken an international cap record uh, this season is you know nearing on a hundred goals for international football, uh, no, sorry, uh, club football, um, and also countless goals um, for Spain as well in that time in the Nations League and um, and international friendlies. It, it, it's just it's just so good to watch Sergio Ramos like because yes all right he's got a red card in him but I want that in a defender like he's just got no risks like he'll just do anything to win the game whether that's him getting sent off but stopping a counter-attack he'll do it um, and that's what I want in a centre-back and Sergio Ramos is I've for like the last sort of 10, 14 years, he's just been one of my favourite defenders to watch and seeing progress uh, at his time at Real Madrid. Um, so then my uh, full-backs are the same as yours. Uh, Reguilón for Sevilla, you know, helped them to a top-four finish in La Liga, uh, as well as winning the Champions League at the Europa League. Um, and again, moving to uh, Tottenham and like you say, found another gear and stepped up his performances from already being top quality to now arguably world class. Um, and Ashraf Hakimi, uh, yeah, again, we had to choose a better right back last season. Um, just the pace that he brought to um, 
Dortmund uh, team. And not many players can keep Thomas Munier on the bench, and he did that. Um, I, I, I love Thomas Munier, and I thought he was a really sort of shrewd signing from PSG to Dortmund, but Ashraf uh, coming in and taking his spot with ease just shows the quality that Hakimi's got. But then moving to Inter, um, or was it moving back to Inter with the on loan last season? He was on loan from 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 Real Madrid, who then oh, right. went to Milan. Yeah, so I, I was, right. Uh, I, I was um, surprised that Dortmund probably didn't go in for him. Uh, I'll try try harder to to sign him permanently. Um, so then, so for Inter to get that level of right back, it, it shows why where they are now. Uh, Inter Milan, high flying in Serie A. Um, so yeah, so that's that's my uh, goalkeeper and back four. So Golaski, uh, Regulon. Marquinhos, Ramos, Hakimi. Right then, moving on to our midfield freeze. And if you've seen the Premier League Team of the Year episode, you won't be surprised to, to hear that I've gone for two of the same again, Kevin De Bruyne and Bruno Fernandes. In terms of European success, obviously neither of them were anywhere close to the counterparts, but in terms of their performances individually and also in league football, because this is like a European league as well as the Champions League aspect of things. De Bruyne and Fernandes, for me, two of the most creative players in the Premier League, two of the most creative players in Europe. If you look at the stats, I think we, we said in the previous episode that Fernandes has av- averaged like one point something direct goal involvements every game since he signed. And I'm pretty sure that Kevin De Bruyne is not going to be far off that. Those two are stalwarts, and I can probably see them making the Premier League and European Team of the Year list if we keep doing this every year for the next few years at least, to be honest. They're both world-class talents. And another midfielder who has got extreme potential for me is Aouar, who plays for Lyon. Helped them reach the Champions League semi-finals for the first time in a long while last season. I'm very, very impressed with him. All of the big big clubs in European football, especially PSG, obviously, uh, are trying to hunt him in perhaps this January transfer window, but I don't think he'll move now. I think he'll wait until this summer to move. And another aspect of it, and reason for him wanting maybe to stay at Lyon, is that they are currently top of Ligue 1 on goal difference, which, considering you've got PSG in the league, you usually walk it. I mean, Lyon are having a really good 12 months and Alouar has been central to that. Depay as well, of course, who would have made my front three if there weren't other incredible talents who have hit much higher numbers than him this this year. So Depay was close, but Alouar makes up my midfield three of him, De Bruyne and Bruno Fernandes. Yes, sir. Um, also going for a midfield three. Um, um... I've come for a full Premier League midfield three. Um, and if you heard the Premier League episode, it's exactly the same midfield three that I've chosen. Um, so I've got Jordan Henderson. Yeah, okay, this arguably underperformed last season in the European competitions, but he led Liverpool to a Premier League. And like I said in the last episode, his leadership on and off the ball 
is crucial to Liverpool's performances week in, week out. Um, becomes basically the first name on the team sheet um, for Liverpool. And like we said last episode, he's, he's become that sort of manager on the pitch. Um, like always talking to his players, giving them praise, giving them uh, constructive criticism during the match. Um, and, you know, he's all, always talking, and which is what you want from your captain. You, you want them to sort of, like, lead by example, and he, he does that. He, he's willing to guard the game by the scope of his neck, put in a tackle to change the momentum. Um, and he's got he's also improved in, like, his attacking style. He's sort of gone more forward with his passing than sideways. Um, so it's just been good to sort of see Jordan Henderson sort of develop into this. Could you say it's Steven Gerrard, um, midfielder, um, in a way? Um, but it has been a revelation to watch his progression over his Liverpool career, topped off with the Premier League this um, this year as well. Um, I've, I've also gone for Kevin De Bruyne and Bruno Fernandes arguably two of the best attacking midfielders in European football at the minute with the goals and the assists that they create week in, week out. Um, like you say, Bruno Fernandes, goal contribution every game that he's played, more or less. And, yeah, Kevin De Bruyne won't be far off that himself. Like, his vision, his passing is second to none uh, in Europe. Um and Bruno Fernandes, since moving from Sporting Lisbon, again, he, he was solid there. And I always knew he was going to get a big, a, a big move. Um, and it, he just found that sort of like gone from third gear to sixth gear within that sort of like move. And he's just developed Man U into this back to where Man U should be competing, you know, second, third, first in the Premier League. And um, it probably will be a crucial a key part to probably my new finishing in the Champions League spot um, this season as well. Um, and he, he, he just gives sort of like Rashford and Martial the top quality service and he's taken the pressure away from Pogba as well, like since coming in, because uh, people are saying, is this going to be Pogba's like final season maybe or his last season to prove himself after arguably not living up to his 90 million uh, transfer but Bruno Fernandes since coming away has just taken that pressure off Pogba um, and Pogba's sort of been injured for the most part of Bruno Fernandes' man new career um, but he's just taken the light the shine away from Pogba onto him and I think it's given Pogba a chance to sort of refocus, rekindle his work and just go about his business under the radar um, and try and get back up to his sort of standards of where he wants to be. Um, so that, that's on midfield three. Henderson, Kevin De Bruyne, Bruno Fernandes. Yes, I'm leaving out the likes of like Kimmich, you could argue putting in there. Um, a PSG midfield, uh, sorry, like Aouar, like you say, Fakachi's a PSG midfielder. Um, so I'm leaving out them names, but I think just think those three in the Premier League, they're second to none, really. Uh, and that's why I've gone for those. 
moving on then to the final part of our squads, obviously, the front three. The tradition has long been, well, for like over 10 years now probably, it's been Ronaldo, Messi, someone else through the middle. Because Ronaldo and Messi have been the only ones who have hit numbers which only those can hit. I've kind of, kind of changed it up. So Ronaldo gets in for me, hands down. Juve won the league. His goals alone got them 20 points last season, something like that, which is crazy, considering the talents in their squad as well. They've obviously, I think they won the Champions League group against Barcelona as well, which is pretty hard to do this season. He's The last time I saw the stats, he'd scored 16 Serie A goals so far this season in 13 starts, which for someone who's 35 and missed a month or so through COVID, that's incredible numbers. Someone else who hit extremely good numbers last season is Timo Werner for RB Leipzig. Yes, of course, he's since moved to Chelsea, but I'm not really counting his time at Chelsea yet. He's, it's impressed me at Chelsea, to be fair, considering he's playing wide left when he's always been a through the middle man. But he gets in for me purely for his slight big numbers. There was one point in the season when we actually started up this channel and he, had, he played 32 games and he's got 33, 34 goals or something crazy like that, which is an outrageous ratio to have. And Timo Werner, he runs in the channels, he runs to chase lost causes, which then somehow aren't lost because he's rapid as hell. He's got clinical finishing, surprisingly good in the air for someone who's shorter than six foot. He, I don't think he's yet hit the heights in the German Germany national team, but he will do at some point. He will just click. And when he does Germany, I think, I think Germany are going to be the ones to beat for quite a few tournaments to come. But in terms of focusing on club football and like the European aspect of it, he helps Leipzig reach the quarterfinals. He then left with Chelsea. Leipzig beat at Letico to reach the semis when they didn't have him, which surprised me in terms of how good their squad coached without, without him. But in terms of when they did have him, Alongside Lewandowski in the Bundesliga, those two were the standout strikers for me. Arguably the number two strikers, apart from Harry Kane, perhaps, in the whole of European football. And Robert Lewandowski is the man who I have chosen to go straight down the middle in my front three. Meaning I have, of course, left out Messi, and people are going to slate me for this because his numbers were so incredible, Leo, but... Did he win anything? He didn't win the La Liga title. And then when it came to it, in yet another huge good match, match in the Champions League, it's the third or fourth season in a row where Barcelona have been absolutely destroyed. And one of the men who destroyed them was Lewandowski. He's had his best of a goal-scoring season. He's won more awards than I can count in 2020. Voted um, FIFA's best player for 2020 as well. I just cannot ignore his goals, how he helps the team, his hold-up play, second to none, I think, in world football, let alone Europe. There's so many players who can run in behind and finish, but 
he just has the whole package. I just cannot ignore that. And Messi, he's Messi, you know, a few weeks ago, he broke Pelé's record for the most goals at a single club. But he didn't win anything. And as Europe as a whole, Bayern won um, um, the treble last season. They won the league. They won the domestic cup. They won the Champions League. Won every single Champions League match, by the way, which was a first. Of course, quite a shortened knockout phase, which had just won legs. But they played absolutely incredibly all season last season. 2020 has been Lewandowski's best campaign. Well, best best 12 months, sorry, in his career. You can't ignore that. So my front three, Timo Werner, Cristiano Ronaldo, and that man, Robert Lewandowski, through the middle. Yeah, can't argue. Um, whereas I've sort of gone back to tradition uh, in the wingers. Um, it's hard to choose anyone at the minute on a goal-scoring ratio than Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, he, he's just... He just ages like wine, like you know, he's he's probably going to carry on till he's about forty-three at this point. <laughs> the way he just looks after his body, um, but he's also scoring the goals that he's never, he, like he's still matching like his younger records, like he started off with at Real Madrid. Like I, I think was he the one of the first. Serie A players to get 30 goals in a long time which just shows the quality that he still has and like you said this season he's just carried on that incredible form even with Covid he's still one of the top scorers in the league and like he just he's just a top like he's just a top quality striker and finisher still has the pace that He's always possessed, still got flair on the ball, and he's arguably stronger than he was 10, 15 years ago. And it is to, to watch it, to be lucky enough to sort of be young enough to remember him starting out at Man U and seeing him develop into this, you know, one or two players um, every season that is like, you know, world best. And it, it's just been so good to watch that. It, even though I'm, I'm not a Man U fan myself, but it, 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 what he brought to the Premier League it, when he started off, it, it was incredible. And then to see him go on to uh, Real Madrid and get the numbers that he did there and still carry on those numbers after moving to Juventus. Um, it, he's just a top quality player. Um, and yet on, on the other side of still gone for that tradition of Ronaldo, Messi and someone else. Uh, I've gone back to Messi. Um, yes, he didn't win anything. Yes, he didn't lead them to more Champions League success and, you know, was on the end of that 8-2 uh, drubbing against Bayern Munich. But in the league, he got 20 goals, 20 assists. I think, like, which is incredible um, and like you say he broke Pelé's record at the most most goals um, at one club 
Um, even even though he's still, you know, over the summer there was that speculation of will he won't he move away from Barca? He decided to stay, and again he's he's still going about his business like you'd expect Messi to do, and uh, he's, he's still creating. He's still that focal point for Barcelona, even though they arguably are underperforming. Like. You can always bag on Messi to get an assist at, at least in a game, or get a get a goal or two as well. And then, yeah, I agree. Probably the best number nine in well was chosen the best number nine in world football uh, earlier uh, in the year, and that's Lewandowski. And what was it fifty four goals in fifty three games uh, last season? Is it's just going to be a shame that he's not, no disrespect to Poland, that he's not a better international team. Like, stick him in Germany and Germany are winning everything. Uh, the same with, like, France and Spain. Like, stick Lewandowski in those teams and the Dodes win everything. Um, whereas Poland, it's just a shame that they don't have that midfield quality that he has at, at Bayern Munich behind him. Um even though they 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 are they are throwing into the Euros is what like next year, so it'll be interesting to see how how well he does with those players behind him, whether they can um be sort of like a surprise package. Um, but nonetheless, his club performances last year were were second to none in the number nine position, and I it. Like you say, it's not not just the goals that he gets, it's his hold-up play, it's his strength on the ball, it's his defence from attack. Um, and, yeah, it, it's just, again, another quality player to have sort of seen his, his career develop into sort of like this sort of lanky forward at Dortmund and sort of develop into one of the best number nines uh, that's gotten stronger as well. Uh, with his experience and it, yeah, he's the best number nine uh, 2020 for me in European football. So the front three, Ronaldo, Messi and Lewandowski. There you are then folks, we've talked through our European team of the year for 2020. If you do agree with us, then let, let us know on social media and if you don't, feel free to do all the same, of course, and we'll be happy to discuss and joke around with you about who you would have had over our players. So until next time, guys, we'll see you later. See yeah. ya.